Amen. Glad you came back. Everyone got so excited this morning on how to be a winner. <clears throat> they didn't want any air let out of their balloon tonight. Amen. Take your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. We'll read a little bit of that. Genesis chapter 19, and go ahead and grab 2 Peter 2, verse 7. 2, verse 7. <laughs> Amen. Second Peter, that's in the New Testament, right? That's right. And if your Bible has a third, well, you've got the wrong Bible. <laughs> there it is, right on. All right, why don't you stand here? We'll read just a little bit of scripture here. I'd like to hear verse number 23, 1923. I think most of you know the historical narrative, the biblical narrative about Lot being in the land of Sodom there and the Lord uh, uh, establishing the first uh, LGBTQ holiday here in uh, Genesis. Funny, you can laugh. You're in a Bible-believing church. Amen. Oh, you know, all the public schools, they want to teach all that. I say let them do it as long as they acknowledge that as the first holiday for that crowd. Amen. <clears throat> Genesis 19.23, the Bible says, the sun was risen upon the earth when, the, uh, when Lot entered into Zor. Uh, by the way, that's about 17 miles south of Sodom there. Just a, in your mind there. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Look at verse 30. And Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zor. And he dwelt in the cave, he and his two daughters. That would be a man cave there. And the first, amen. And the firstborn said unto, <laughs> that's right. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us. After the manner of all the earth, come let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. It came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesterday with my father, let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in and lie with him, and we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father Drink wine that night also, and the younger rose, and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn bare a son, called his name Moab, same as the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger, she also bare a son, and called his name Ben-Ami, the same as the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. I look at Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 7. After that grueling account, although you'll understand and realize how, how safe the King James Bible is to read, 
uh, to all ages. And uh, we'll leave that right there. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says, <clears throat> And delivered just Lot, uh, not like singling him out, but giving him the, uh, the, the manners or the characteristic of being just. Delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelleth among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day, with their unlawful deeds. Point that the truth, if you think about this world that you and I live in, um, you know, we're kind of jaded as Christians. We really are. Uh, we watch a lot of things we shouldn't. We hear a lot of things we shouldn't. It makes us callous. But I don't know about you. Some days, man, I just go just so spitting angry at this world. It makes me want to, I don't know, it makes me want to cuss. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it does. It just vexes my soul is what I'm trying to get at. And you see the characteristic of Lot. He was a just man. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And Brother Jared, would you ask the Lord for help in the preaching tonight? Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Now this morning, like I said, we preached about being a winner. And I want to be a winner, but I want to balance the thing out. And I want to show you from the scriptures how to be a real loser. Amen? Now, uh, you know uh, some brethren, and so do I, and they don't need any help uh, in this. Uh, <laughs> and you might be one of those individuals who don't need a help on how to be a loser. But you see the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, we just read that Lot was a just man. That simply means he was a saved man. And if you're saved, you and I are going to see him in heaven. Amen? And we will. Now, Lot, he, uh, here in the scriptures, he loses everything he has. And the life of Lot is a picture of a carnal Christian at the judgment seat of Christ. All right, and you want to get that. Lot is a picture of a carnal Christian that never did anything for himself, uh, but, but for himself. And he stands at the judgment seat of Christ, and he loses it all. And you need to keep that picture in your mind as we go through this. Now, he gets through it. He gets through it. You see what I mean? Uh, he doesn't get burned, he doesn't get touched with the fire, but everything he has gets burned up. And uh, <clears throat> so I want to preach on how to be a real loser in the Christian life and lose it all. Uh, this is actually, uh, after almost 10 years of being a pastor, uh, this would be considered one out of the sermon barrel. Now, it's taken 10 years to create a barrel, and uh, I try not to re-preach. There's only been a couple messages I've re-preached, honestly, uh, because I don't think a lot... Most of my stuff's worth re-preaching. <laughs> I don't know. You preach a while and you tell me if any stuff you preach is worth re-preaching. Amen. Uh, when I first came here and began to preach, I think probably some of the stuff I preach is heresy. Amen. <laughs> but thank, uh, thank God the Lord uh, changes us and he grows us. I'm just telling you, this, uh, this one has stuck around and uh, this, we pulled this out of the sermon barrel. And the uh, Lord wanted me to rework this uh, to, to kind of balance out. As Christians, we have a difficult time with the balancing act of the Christian life. We're either all in or all out. Amen? And so the practical application is, uh, I'm all tangled up here. I'd like to say it's in Jesus, but it's in this wire here for a minute. But the practical application of that verse in Revelation chapter 3 to the Laodicean church period, the Lord says, I would that thou art cold or hot. Now, a good practical application is your walk with him on that. Amen. You ought, to, you ought to be able to be uh, 
on fire for Jesus Christ, but not so on fire that you burn the walls down every time you walk. Amen? And nothing anyone can do is good enough and so forth and so on. Uh, you ought to be able to uh, be on fire for Jesus Christ, but yet have a cool head about you when you deal with people. Amen? And uh, he said, I would that thou art cold or hot. And uh, the majority of Christians in Laodicea, they're what? They're lukewarm. And that's because of this world we live in. And it's because we like it that way. Amen? You and I are only as close to Jesus Christ as you want to be. Now, take your Bible real quick. Look at Romans chapter 15. This type of preaching that we're going to try to do is supposed to help you. It's supposed to help you. It's supposed to help me. You, you say, help the preacher. Yeah, he needs a lot of help too. Amen. But in Romans chapter 15, what we're doing is we're preaching from the Old Testament. Amen. And uh, preaching from the Old Testament is extremely helpful. And if you never read the Old Testament, you're missing a lot. Uh, you're missing about three quarters of your Bible. Romans 15, 14, I know you know the verse, but look at it again. I'm sorry, 15, 4. It says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So this kind of preaching, uh, we pray, will give you some learning. Amen? And I hope you can learn from it. And I know that you know a good deal of it, and maybe some of you know all of it. So to you that know, know it all, it's safe, Paul says. Amen? If you know it all, that's a blessing. It's safe. But if you don't, maybe you can learn from it. And through that learning, you can get some comfort from it. Maybe avoid some pitfalls. Be reminded. Listen, just because we are King James Bible believers does not mean all of our stuff is in a group. Is that okay to say it like that? <laughs> we don't have it all together. Uh, matter of fact, as the old preacher says, a lot of it, uh, we're just a bunch of sag, bag, and drag Christians and the only thing we have that keeps us together is the glue of the King James Bible. But here, uh, if you're going to be a loser, let's use the life of Lot. Amen? Let's use the life of Lot. And if you're going to be a loser, first of all, uh, take your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 13. This will go pretty quick, but we will turn uh, some passages. Uh, if you're going to be a loser as a Christian and lose it all, uh, let me say this. Uh, number one, Go ahead and fight with the brethren over stupid things that don't matter. Amen? You want to be a loser, go ahead and fight with the brethren over stupid things that do not matter. And here in Genesis chapter 13, verse 7, we see here the Bible says, and There was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Now, I understand the fight and the strife takes place between Abraham and Lot, so you would say from a distance that it's really not Abraham and Lot uh, feuding, but it is. because Look at that passage again here. This is why it's important, uh, but if you want to be a loser, just go ahead and determine that uh, you're going to fight about dumb stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, and there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. Look at verse 8, and Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee. You see how Abraham takes the blame? Uh, now, this is a different message for a different gear to grab here, but notice that he says, look, our guys are fighting, but let's not make sure there's nothing between you and me. Why? Why is that? Verse 8, he says, for we be, what's that word? Now, wait a minute. I thought uh, Lot was his uh, nephew, right? He was. He says, well, that's kind of a weird family dynamic. No, it's a spiritual relationship, amen? 
You know, I'm not talking about banjos and all that stuff, but, uh, you know, I mean, he was his nephew, but what he was was spiritually, he was his brother in the Lord. And uh, Uncle Abraham, he's got, uh, he's got more sense than the rest of them do. And he's like, look, we're brethren, and all the ites are watching us. See what I mean? All the lost people are in the land, and we can't be fighting over dumb stuff. We can't. And uh, he says, let there no strife be between me and thee. But listen, if you're going to be a loser, uh, you'll notice uh, you're just going to go ahead and fight over stupid things with the brethren that don't even matter, like your convictions. Amen? Um, your convictions are for you. They're important for you. They're between you and the Lord. You look that thing up in the book of Numbers, every man should have his own standard in his camp, right? So if you want to camp with us, praise the Lord, but you're still going to have your own set of standards inside your home. And if you want to be a loser, then go ahead and fight about your idea of what real convictions are. Let me just say this. I love you in the Lord, but I don't really care about your convictions. Now, I'm not saying that because I'm a jerk. I'm your preacher, and I care about you, but you don't care about mine, and I do not care about yours, and I'm not being cruel when I say that. But go ahead and fight over stuff like your convictions uh, and your criticisms, right? And things you're critical about, like past fallings out and past dealings. That's real dumb stuff to fight over. Now, just avoid it. And I've said this before, and you've noticed it if you've been around more than 30 years at least. Uh, you hang around people for five minutes, and you can automatically tell what's tripping their trigger. And if you're not careful, you'll give yourself away when you begin to trust in someone else. And next thing you know, you let your guard down, and you'll start blah, 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 after five minutes. And everything, your bad day, and your bad life, and your bad upbringing, your bad marriage, and your bad, you see what I mean? Uh, you just, if you want to be a loser, just go ahead and fight about that dumb stuff like convictions, dress. You want to really uh, uh, put stuff in the Kool-Aid, uh, you know, start the whole thing why you think women should wear uh, dresses everywhere. Okay, well then explain why Saul was wearing a skirt. <laughs> you see, uh, you know, our crowd loves to run to the Old Testament and, uh, you know, say, Thou should not wear what pertaineth to a woman. Okay, talk about a cross dresser. Well, that's fine. You want to you want to you want to strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Help yourself. Amen. Uh, but you know what? At the end of the day, uh, your relationship with the Lord doesn't depend on whether or not, gals, you're wearing a dress or slacks. And I ain't afraid to say it. I don't care what anybody thinks about it. Amen. When we came over here back in 2014, uh, you know what? We did not get up here and preach. Our standards. You know why? The Lord was changing us. He was changing us because he realized, we, I realized, and the Lord was showing me that a man's relationship with Jesus Christ uh, has to do with uh, what he does with the Lord, not what he looks like. Now you can take my words and you can twist them and you can edit them and put them on a video and make me a heretic all you want. I don't really care. But the fact of the matter, if you want to be a loser, go ahead and fight with your brethren over stuff like that. Dress. Uh, how about music? That's a, that's a dumb one to fight about. Well, I don't believe you should have any drums. Well, put all the drums in there. I don't even care. Amen? Uh, I've studied church history. I've studied the history of music, and I know what I listen to, and I know what the Lord allows me to listen to with a clear conscience. And uh, you probably have a good idea about it by listening to what kind of music comes across this sanctuary. Amen? All right, now you want to you be a loser? Fight about convictions and criticisms and all your disappointments in life. Amen? And all your discontentments. 
they're obviously discontented here. Lot's discontented. So he's fighting with Abraham. You want to know why? Look at Genesis 13, 1 and 2. Someone's rich and it ain't Lot. You ever notice when someone has money and someone else doesn't, there's, there's kind of like, well, <laughs> well, you know, the, they had everything handed to them, you know. <laughs> or, or maybe they worked 50 or 60 years for it, right? You know, at a place uh, where most people, it, it, is, it is not right for someone who's 50 or 55 or 60 to get up and uh, start running their mouth about uh, what everyone should spend their money on when they've spent an entire lifetime paying off cars, paying off mortgages, paying off debt, and maybe now, maybe they're in a position where they have a little bit more flexible income to a bunch of young people that might not. You see what I mean? Uh, you want to be a loser, fight about that stuff. And uh, fight about your opinions and your own way of doing things. Is this making any sense tonight? If you want to be a loser, just nitpick about dumb things. Teach you how to be a loser tonight. I mean, you know, uh, compare preachers. That's a real genius thing. <laughs> well, I like this preacher. Well, I like that preacher. Well, I like Superman ice cream. I don't even care. That's stupid. Amen? Do they believe the King James Bible? Amen, yes. Well, then they're going to have different personalities. Don't compare preachers. Uh, like, how about your prejudices? Everyone in here has prejudices, no matter what you think. You, you prejudge situations and without knowing the facts, and you're okay with a lot of that stuff. And then you're going to go fight about it. That make you a loser. Well, let me give you this one. Uh, not only uh, if you want to be a loser, fight with your brethren over stupid things that don't matter. And they don't matter. Soon on earth this life will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. How you were treated 20 years ago, I'm sorry you heard it, does not matter. In the glimpse of eternity. What matters is what you do with it and how you survive it and how you get better from it. Uh, look at number two here, Genesis chapter 13, verse 10. If you want to be a loser and lose it all, make sure that you make everything about you. Now, this should be an easy message to preach because I really don't think anyone in here makes everything about you. But if we're going to stay on the straight and narrow, we're going to have to preach this stuff. We just can't go around and straighten up all the wreaths. Mrs. Evans, they don't need to be straightened. I'm just saying. We're not going to go around straightening pictures because we think we're doing everything right. But you have to be careful as a Christian that you don't make everything about you. Genesis chapter 13, verse 10, notice this. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plains of Jordan. Now those are the lofty uh, eyes of Lot here. And uh, what he does is he makes everything about himself and he picks the very, very best. That's what he does. And Uncle Abraham uh, gives him the choice. Uh, you go one way, I'll go the other. I'll tell you, you know what Lot should have done? He should have got on his knees and said, Uncle Abraham, I'm really sorry if I've caused any trouble, if I've been, uh, you know, a contentious little nephew. And I'm sorry, I don't want to leave you. I can see the blessing of God's on you, and I want to go where you're at. Just like Ruth said to Naomi, I want my God to be your God. I believe that's what he should have done. Uh, but that's not how it happened. But go ahead, and if you want to be a loser in this Christian life, just insist that everything is about you. Uh, make sure that you always get the best end of the stick, like Jacob. Now, every man is kind of like a Jacob at heart. Amen? Every man wants to uh, wheel and deal. You'll hear some of the old-timers, they'll, they'll say, oh, I've got this great deal here, and you'll hear uh, you know, the old Spit and Widow Club there. They'll say, i got this, and I'll tell you what, i got such a great deal, and I hope you did. Amen? 
But uh, just if you want to be a loser, make sure it's everything is about you. And make sure that you, uh, as uh, my mentor, my preacher, my old preacher says, you're the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. Go ahead and be a Nabal. Go ahead and be an idiot. You see what I mean? I'll talk about you're going to be a loser. Make everything in the world about you. Make it about your schedule, your timing. Make it about your comfort and make it about your appetite and make it about your wants and your desires. Make sure everyone knows about your resume, like Adonijah. <laughs> we doing our, what's the easy preacher? I love y'all, amen. <laughs> make it like, make, like Adonijah. He was a goodly man and his, neither has his father told him no at any time, you know. And here's Adonijah, great resume. Or how about like uh, a Jaimeaz? Jaime has a Cushai, the two out there in the battlefield when Absalom was uh, uh, causing the rebellion. And Jaime has, uh, he wanted to run back and give the king uh, tidings. And he says, he says to General Joab, let me run, let me run. And Joab's like, what are you going to run for? You don't know nothing. <laughs> oh, let me run. And Ahimeaz starts running. And other people know that it's Ahimeaz running. He must have the Ahimeaz stride or something. You know what I mean? Oh, look, at that's, that's the running of Ahimeaz, uh, one of the king's servants says. Make sure everyone knows your resume. How about this? Make sure everyone knows your strengths. Oh, I used to do that. I remember, I remember when I worked at McDonald's. <laughs> oh, that's something to be real, you know, happy and you know, that's a great thing, you know. I remember when I flipped burgers, you know. When I flipped burgers, man, we used to do them three at a time, you know, all that stuff. Make sure, I'm talking about being a loser. Make sure everything is about you. And, uh, uh, just uh, make sure everyone knows your strengths, like Absalom. You know what Absalom did? He stole the hearts of the people of Israel, stood out there in the king's courtyard, and he listened to everyone's complaints. Now, if you're a, if you're a tender-hearted individual, people will complain to you. If you have a big heart, the next thing you know, you could start your own, you know, you know Judge Joe Brown or Judge Judy or maybe not that, uh, or uh, what's that fellow's name? Jerry Springer Show. What? That's terrible too, amen? I don't know. But if you have a tender heart, people will come to you and they'll complain. And the best thing you can do is say, well, let's pray about it right here. Don't say, well, I'm going to go home and pray about it because you're a liar. You won't. <laughs> Usually, I just say, well, let's pray right now. And you pray right there with them. And I promise they'll stop coming and telling you all their troubles and all their woes. Uh, just pray with them right there and just plead the blood of Jesus Christ on the situation, plead the blood on them, plead the blood on the problem, and that thing will disappear and they won't bother you ever again, probably. But if you've got a tender heart, people will come to you. Here's the thing with Absalom. Uh, Absalom, uh, all the people told him all their problems. And you know what Absalom said? If I was a judge, I would bring justice. Because, you know, I'm pretty good at that. If you want to be... <laughs> yeah. And if you want to be a loser in your Christian life, just go ahead and make everything about you men. You've got to be careful about this stuff because uh, men are selfish. Uh, men uh, like to be taken care of. Men like to be primped and patted and praised and all the rest. And ladies here, I hate to break it to you, but you don't have it none better. And you've got to watch it even more than the men do. And you've got to make sure that as a lady, as a Christian woman, you're not making everything about yourself. Amen. Now, that's tough stuff, but that's the truth, and both of us need to watch it. And, uh, but uh, that's talking about being a loser, being a loser. And uh, make sure you go ahead and choose first and choose the best, right? That's what Lot did. He chose the well-watered plains 
uh, that was in front of him, and he only had his best interests in mind. I'm just talking real plainly, real practically tonight, nothing you can't miss about how to be a loser. Are you a loser tonight? Amen? <laughs> I have been a loser many times in my Christian life, and uh, one of the hardest things about being a loser is uh, just go ahead and admitting that you are one sometimes because you're just always thinking about yourself and always talking about yourself and always pointing to yourself and always looking to get in the spotlight. Let me tell you what, uh, one of the greatest lessons I learned becoming a pastor is just because you're up in this pulpit don't make you anything particular. When you're up in this pulpit, what happens, the spotlight becomes on, on the message, but people mistake the messenger for the message. And next thing you know, all the preacher's flaws come right, right front and center. And all of a sudden, all because the spotlight's on the preacher, all of a sudden the heat comes on. And, you know, when you're under pressure, you begin to crack. So don't ask. Don't seek the spotlight. Don't seek the limelight. I like what Brother White said. I was asking him about being an evangelist and traveling all over the world. He, I, said, uh, I said, Brother White, uh, I had coffee with him one time right before he got sick and died. I think he actually just got sick. And I had coffee with him, and I said, I, I like your preaching. I don't know much about you, but I, I just want to talk to you, ask some questions. I said, how, how, did, how in the world did you even get started in this evangelism business? Because I figured that's what the Lord wanted me to do. And, you know, the Von Trapp family go around, sing some songs, amen, you know, doe a deer and all that stuff, and then, you know, preach to thousands. And it never happened, of course. So <laughs> but he said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, brother, he said, I'll tell you what. I told the Lord, uh, I'll tell you what, Lord. He said, I'll get in your car and uh, and... You drive, and he said, matter of fact, Lord, I'll get in the trunk, and I won't say a word, but every time you want me to stop and preach, you stop and hit that button, and I'll get out and preach. So I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Brother White, in the trunk. You ever hear about Brother White's life story? Very traumatic. Great preacher. Even greater stories. But his life was rough, and he attributes that from being in the trunk. See, when you're in the trunk, there's no safety straps, there's no seat belts, there's no padding, and he got beat up pretty bad. And so uh, he gave me a little card, and it, I, I don't even know where it's at to this day, but it meant a lot at the time, <laughs> but I lost it. That's how much it meant, amen. <laughs> but he said um, something, something kind of like, it was nice to talk to you, so forth, and, you know, my few minutes with Brother Jim White, you know. And he said, P.S., ask the Lord to get into the back seat because the trunk is no fun. <laughs> But you gotta you gotta watch that thing because if you're not careful, uh, you'll be like God is my co-pilot. No, he needs to be the one driving, and you need to be out of the picture. He doesn't need your help. You know, uh, you know how you gals are. You like to help your husbands drive, and uh, you know God does not need any help driving. Amen. So if you want to be a loser, uh, just go ahead and make everything about you. And let me give you number three here. Look at Genesis chapter 13, verse 11. And uh, I, I don't mind preaching this because uh, I'm a working man besides a preaching man. They, preaching is work, amen. But I'm also I'm a, what you call a bivocational preacher. You know that. And I don't mind working. I don't mind sweating. And I don't mind uh, uh, doing 40 plus hours a week. But I want you to see here, if you want to be a loser, always choose your career over Christ. Genesis 13, 11, the Bible says, Then Lot chose him, all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. Now let me develop this real quick for you. I want you to notice first of all Lot goes the wrong direction, doesn't he? The right direction is west, right? Even the old, uh, the old folk singers know, go west young man. You say, why go west? Because the Spirit, Holy Spirit moves east to west. 
And in your Bible, your King James Bible, the east has no good connotation. And every time you see an east wind or so forth and so on, it's a bad deal. So Lot goes the wrong direction. And uh, I want you to understand practically that every opportunity, uh, let me, I'm sorry, I just messed that up. Every promotion that you could get is not always an opportunity. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You say, oh, how do you know? I took some promotions, and I'm looking back now going, that was the dumbest thing I ever did in my life. Now, the Lord got me through it, amen, and the Lord uh, gave me grace, and he was good to me, but every chance or every time that you could be promoted is not always an opportunity. Notice this in verse 10, Genesis 13, 10, Lot goes in pursuit of money. And we made comment early before, I believe, why he went in pursuit of money and verse 10, it says he chose what was well watered is because he's trying to get rich like Uncle Abraham. You see, Uncle Abraham had the Old Testament Jewish blessing upon him, which made him physically blessed. You and I, our blessing is spiritual. You're not guaranteed a physical blessing. Sorry. <laughs> um, I know some Christians play the lottery. That's their business. I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch it because I, I would never win. I would never win. Amen. Uh, but you know what, our blessing is spiritual, not only that, our blessing is beyond here, right? We're working for something that is laid up uh, uh, in the stores of heaven. So Lot goes in pursuit of money, he goes in pursuit of power. Look at Genesis 19, 1 real quick, I'll show you two verses. You get down to Genesis chapter 19, verse 1, not only does it go pursuit of money, but he goes in pursuit of power. You see in verse 1, Lot is sitting in the gate, that's what the elders did. So he had immediately got into what? Well, the best way I could try to help you understand it, he got in the city council. He got on the, uh, the commissioners or whatever it is, help run our town, you know what I mean? And like one preacher said, you're like, just because you're a commissioner, just because you're, a, you know, a political, you're, you know, you're a small dog in a big pack, nine times out of ten it's because people don't want that stuff. It don't mean you're anything special. I hate to, you know, bust your bubble on that, but... Uh, here, Lot, he goes for position of power in verse 1. If you look at verse 9, if you look at what those sick, demented, twisted sinners are saying, they're basically saying, look, when you came here, all you wanted to do is be a judge. So he's either an elder, a city councilman, he's a commissioner, whoopee, <laughs> and he, or he's a judge. I'm just showing you that Lot went in pursuit of money and he went in pursuit of power. Now listen, if that's your desire as a Christian, I'm going to tell you what, you are going to be a loser. You're going to be, you're going to be useless to the Lord. If all you are here for, and I don't believe that's why you're here tonight, but it needs to be preached. If all you're here for as a Christian is to get a bigger paycheck, now look, I'm all about getting a raise, amen. <laughs> raise the pay, praise the Lord, you can do more with it. And if all you're here for is to get more power so you can influence people in the community and show everyone what a spirit of brotherly love, whatever. You're going to be a loser is what you are. You're going to be washed up somewhere, stuck on a shelf, doing nothing for God, knowing better, and that's what you're going to be. Uh, I'm just trying to preach it. Avoid being a loser and choosing your career over Christ. Uh, his choices, notice his choices, they don't pertain to God, and they surely don't pertain to Uncle Abraham. You ever notice that? Uh, you ever stop and think what the American dream is? It's a nightmare. It is. Do you realize the American dream is an absolute lie out of the exhaust pipes of hell? You know what the American dream is? Here's the American dream. And you've got to be careful that you don't get caught up in it. 
I want my kids to have it better than I did. That is the American dream. You know what that is? That's a bunch of uh, garbage. That's what that is. You ever stop to think that you could be the parent to break the cycle and say, you know what? My kids don't need it better than me because I can't even handle what I got. And if I think they can handle more, then I'm crazy. And what happens is we're farming our kids out to this country and to colleges. I'm not against college, but we're farming them out to universities and colleges and the local churches are left destitute. Why? Because we chose our career over Christ. You know, just got to do what we got to do. Horse feathers, man. Please the Lord Jesus Christ. Do what he wants you to do. Stop sucking up the American dream because it is connected to the exhaust pipes of hell. Amen? Now, I'll give you number four here. We'll get on to something a little bit more sugary here. Go ahead. If you want to be a loser in your Christian life, allow the world to ambush you. Just go ahead and allow the world to ambush you. Look at Genesis chapter 14 and verse 12. Bible says in Genesis 14, 12, And they took Lot... Abraham's brother's son who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. Now we're thinking about uh, allowing the world to ambush us. Let's step back just to the last point. I think there's a good balance you can have as a Christian in the workplace. I will admit it took me a number of years to find it. Because it took me a number of years to find it does not mean that it'll take you a number of years. It just means sometimes some people are bigger losers than others. Amen? And there is a good balance. And I believe many of you have found it. Amen? And I'm not just trying to preach my experiences, but I'm saying, look, if you're choosing your career over Christ, you're headed to being a loser. <laughs> Amen. But notice this thing about allowing the world to ambush you. We just read that verse there in Genesis chapter 14. I want you to, I want you to notice this about this ambushment. I ever stop and think why they ambushed him? Probably uh, because Lot was perfect for the picking. He was perfect for the picking. You say, how so? Well, first of all, if you look at Genesis 13, 14, he had separated from everything that was godly. You say, who is that? Abraham, right? Now, we preach the other point that if you want God to bless you, you have to separate sometimes from brethren. You do. And Abraham, to get the blessing of God, had to separate from Lot. But I preached the antithesis on this. Lot made the terrible mistake of separating from what was godly. In 14, and if you look at the verse prior, he separated himself unto everything that was wicked. That's why he got ambushed, because he was prime, he was perfect for the picking. He had separated himself unto that which was evil, and he had separated himself away from that which was godly. Not only that, I want you to see they ambushed Lot because he kept moving closer to the conflict. He kept moving closer to the conflict. I reckon if there's a battle going on, there's a battle raging, uh, and, and, or there's a fire burning, if you get close enough, you will get burned. Right? Light bulb. Amen? But notice here in Genesis chapter 13 and verse 12, notice the location of Lot. I know many of you know this. The Bible says, Lot, he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Go one chapter later, same verse, 14, 12, he goes from pitching his tent toward Sodom, and now Lot who dwelt in Sodom. He's moving in, man. Now, I know this is, this is nothing new to you, but you've got to realize the closer you get to the conflict, the more you're going to get burnt. The closer you get to that conflict, the prime picking you are for that ambushment. Amen? 
and you're going to have to learn to fight that. You have to learn to fight it. Now let me give this number five. If you want to be a loser in your Christian life, number five, go ahead and offer up your children to the world. Look at Genesis 19, verse 8. You say, well, preacher, a lot of this message doesn't really apply to me. Hey, listen, it will one day. It will one day. Don't you think the Lord knows what he's doing? Don't you think the Lord knows what he's giving you? If you're not in a position where you can move or get closer and so forth and so on, don't, don't you think the Lord understands that and he's trying to give you some advanced revelation of what you can do in your own life? I notice this thing here in Genesis chapter 19, verse 8. Notice what Lot says. He says, Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Okay. He says, Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do you to them as is good in your eyes. First of all, I want to knock the guy out. Amen. Like two in the head, one in the chest, or one, whatever, how that thing, you know. You ever stop and think in verse 8 that Lot never fights for his daughters? That grabs a gear in me, brethren. And you say, you think you're better? I didn't say that. I just know how I'm geared. And if you think I would want to turn over my virgin daughters to a bunch of faggots, you're crazy. I wouldn't do it in a heartbeat. Amen? I wouldn't do it. You say, well, you're not in their shoes. I'm telling you right now, there's a line in the sand. You have to fight for your kids. I'll say it again. You have to learn to fight for your kids. You can't just give them to the world. And look, they're going to do what they want when they get old enough, amen, just like you did. <laughs> but you got to fight from while you can. I notice this thing here. Uh, later, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I might be off on my rocker here, but I think, I think I know why Lot never put up a fight for his daughter. Look at uh, 1936, chapter 19, verse 36. To me, this is more disturbing than not putting up a fight for him. I think Lot had been in Sodom for so long and it had affected him so bad, even though we know what the Bible says. The Bible says that Lot was vexed with the conversation, the filthy conversation of the wicked. That's the filthy lifestyle. But notice, the closer you get to the conflict, the easier are you to ambush. Amen? But in chapter 19 and verse 36, we learn, the scriptures tell us, very grotesquely but very gentlemanly, that both of Lot's daughters were with child by their father. Now I'm not a genius uh, by any uh, stroke of the imagination, but I'm going to tell you why I think Lot didn't fight for him. I think he'd been in Sodom for so long it had already messed with his head and he'd been thinking about messing around with his own daughters to begin with. You say, how could you come to that consideration? The Bible. You know why God wiped out those nations? You ever read Leviticus chapter 18, 19, and 20? You ever read the book of Deuteronomy? You know why God told Israel go in there? Because they're messing around. You know God never destroyed a country for eating bacon. God never destroyed a nation for eating catfish. But yet those were punishable offense in the law. God never destroyed a nation for drinking coffee. But he sure did destroy some nations for being wicked, ungodly sex perverts. Now I hate to dwell on this thing here. We'll get moving pretty quick here. But Lot never fights for his daughters. Man, you ought to fight for your kids. You ought to fight for your grandkids if you can. Uh, but look at, this, uh, look at this verse here in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5. I'll give you two verses of scripture here. Now, I know this is old timey. Now, listen, up north, we're bad at this. 
uh, northern, uh, northerners are uh, terrible towards their family. They really are. And if you come from a family that's tight-knit, you better count your blessings. Amen? Uh, southerners are uh, a little bit different in how they raise their kids. Southerners uh, are a little bit more tight-knit. Uh, southerners, and I say that, not like I'm the expert, uh, but I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand in several different families. And knowing also that northerners are much more uh, rigid with their children. But here you see in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, you see Paul's instruction to Timothy. talks about a man who don't take care of his own house. Now this stuff, this, this stuff ought to bug you. This stuff ought to grind your gizzards when you get to Genesis chapter 19. 5 verse 8, the Bible says, But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. We always take that to be financial support, which would be a great start. Amen? We ought to take care of our own. You ought to do everything in your power, but you ought to provide protection for them too. Protection from physical harm, protection from spiritual harm, protection from this world. Amen? Now, if you don't have kids, one day you will. And you'll be in that position where you have to provide for your own house. And I hope you got enough guts to do it. I hope you have enough guts to fight for your kids. Hope you have enough guts to fight for your grandkids and spend some time with them instead of being sorry. Amen? And that's what you need to do. But notice this in Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. Now, look, the world says it takes a village to raise an idiot. <laughs> but you know what? Family is important. Family is, especially if you're a saved family. Family is extremely important. Nehemiah chapter 4. Uh, look at verse 14, the end of that verse here. Uh, the instruction is, fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Now listen, if you want to be a loser, go ahead and offer your children up to the world. You see that? And that's how you can be a number one loser. Just don't put any barriers in front of your kids. Just let them do whatever they want. All right, let me give you just two more. We're almost done here. Number six, you want to be a loser in the Christian life? Go ahead and continue to look back at this world. Look at Genesis 19. Genesis 19. 19 verse 26. Now, when I went to school, there was uh, different groups. You had the, you had the choirs uh, connected to another adjective, and you had the band people connected to another adjective that I won't say from the pulpit, and you had the, you had the jocks, and you had the preps, right? And you had the, the nerds, and you had the losers, right? And you had the burnouts, and you all probably oh, had the farmers. So you had all this, this classification, right? But uh, every, every school's got a class. It's either burnouts and losers. Let me tell you what. Nobody wants to be a loser. But you know what? If you don't watch how you step, you can be a loser in the Christian life. You've got to watch your step. And uh, we're talking about preaching about Lot. Lot from the King James Bible was a saved man. He loved God. And, uh, but yet, man, he lost it all at the judgment seat of Christ. Notice this. If you want to be a loser, go ahead and continue to look back at this world. In Genesis 19.26, the Bible says, But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became what? A pillar of salt. Now, if you want to be a loser, keep the world on a real close close network. You know what I mean? Keep the world in your back pocket. That's, uh, that's what these phones have done to us. 
everyone's on the phone 24-7. And uh, you're, just, you're just a millisecond from the world. And the world's always with you. <laughs> the world with you, <laughs> right? It's always there. You can't get away from it. But uh, if you want to be a loser, just keep looking back at the world. Keep thumbing through the world. Keep thumbing and thumbing and thumbing and thumbing. And just become a real loser because you never can get away from that world. Genesis 19, 17, the Bible says it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad. Notice the instructions that he said, escape for thy life. That's get out of there. Looked out behind thee. Stop looking back at what used to be. Right? Then he says, neither stay. You see that? Neither stay. You can't, you can't stay in the world. Why? It's on fire. Neither stay, thou and all the plain, escape to the mountain. That could, be a, that could be a reference to your relationship with the Lord. You know why a lot of people don't want to escape the world? Because they don't want to make the effort to climb the mountain with God. Now, I'm not saying that all you are in the category of Lot's wife and you're a bunch of deer. I'm just saying if you want to be a loser... Always keep the world within grasp. Never get rid of the world. Never purge it. Never try to get away from it altogether and just enjoy the things that God gives you. But just go ahead and keep looking back at this world even when you don't have to. Genesis 19.26 says, But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Luke 17.32 gives you the reminder, which says, Remember Lot's wife. <laughs> That's a great verse. You preach for hours. Remember Lot's wife. In Genesis chapter 13, they come out of Egypt. Uh, amen. And uh, that had to have been where Lot got his wife because he wasn't married before he went into Egypt. So he comes out with an Egyptian wife. It means she'd be black, right? Amen. So, so she uh, can't leave the world alone. And Lord turns her snowy white. Isn't that wild? You ever stop and think about that? You say, oh, you're, I'm not talking about the racial thing. I'm not talking about that at all. Your problem is your stinking head's so stuck in Fox News and CNN that you think everything's got a racial slant to it. Well, if you stop getting mad at that stuff and start getting mad at when people tell rancid, rotten jokes, you'd probably uh, have a little bit less to worry about. Now think about this. Here's the, here's the thing you want to see. She's turned to a pillar of salt. So if you won't be salty in your witness while you're alive, the Lord will make you salty at your death. You say, how so? Okay. You ever tell some, you, you ever be, you ever, have you ever been a salty Christian to anybody? To the lost? We're supposed to be salt? You know, a lot of Christians go through their entire life and are never salty. Have salt in yourselves. Ye are the salt of the earth. A preacher's message should be salty. They shouldn't be sugary, sweet, and honey sweet. They should have a little bit of a bite to it, amen? Your life should be salty as a Christian. I'm not talking about being a jerk, always having to be right. No, I'm talking about your life, according to the Bible, should be salty. And it should cause others to want a drink of living water. But if you won't be salty as a Christian, you know what will happen? I've seen it. I've seen it too many times already, just in a few short years. Not very many. I'm just new at it. Someone won't be a drop of salt while they're living, and God will bring them to me dead. And the family will say, preach about Jesus. 
So what do you do? I preach it. And so they become salt at their death, just like Lot's wife. You see it? Do you want to be salt in your life? You realize that many Christians have gone through this world and never made a stomp for Jesus Christ and never passed out one single track, never done anything that pleased the Lord, but then the Lord gave them one final chance after they were dead and put them in front of some sawed-off preacher, and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the salt led to living water. That's the picture. That's the picture. Well, if you want to be a loser, go ahead and continue to look back at the world. The world says, come in. But yet the Lord says, come out. See that? Uh, the world says, like in 2 Kings chapter 1, come down. And you know what the Lord says? Come up hither. Amen. Let me give you the last one here. We'll be done. If you want to be a loser in your Christian life, this is so positive, isn't it? <laughs> Y'all are just like, oh, please give us more <laughs> about being a loser. <laughs> But if you want to be losing your Christian life, go ahead and wait until it's too late to deliver a soul. Wait until it's too late to deliver a soul. Look at Genesis 19, 14. The Bible says, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, this is really sad, which married his daughters and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. Here's the saddest words ever spoken. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. You see it? You want to be a loser and lose everything with the judgment seat of Christ? Go ahead and wait until it's eternally too late to deliver a soul. Never witness on the job. Preacher, you know I can't witness on the job. Okay, help yourself. You can find a way. Ask the Lord for wisdom. You're not there to witness. You're there to work. But if you ask the Lord for an opportunity, he'll give you one. Never witness on the job. Never witness to your extended family, right? Well, preacher, if you knew what I knew about them, hey, they're your family. Witness to them. If you ain't got the guts to witness to them, get a chick track, one that'll do the job, and put it in a car and say, look, I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for you. hope you're doing okay. Will you read this? And sure would love to talk to you sometime later. There's ways to get around that thing. There's a way to get the door knocked open just a little bit. But if you want to believe a loser, never witness on the job. Never witness to your extended family. Never witness to any stranger in town. You know, one of the greatest opportunities you and I have is coming across a complete stranger. That's the easiest person in the world to witness. They don't know you, and you don't know them. They could be a stinking axe murderer for all you know, but you don't know them, so you're like, here, let me tell you about my best friend in the whole world. What, your hunting rifle? No, Jesus Christ, amen? <laughs> you know? But never witness any stranger. Never go outside the door of this church, and this is where, this is where America's in trouble. Many Christians never go outside the door of a church and follow Hebrews chapter 13, verse 13. It says, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp. Listen, listen, this is our camp. Whether you're a camper or not, this is where we camp, amen? And we camp right around that King James 1611. And we love the Lord and we're here to lift him up higher than anything else. But if you want to be a loser, never go outside that door. Never open your mouth unless it's inside the walls of a church. And never witness anyone until it's eternally too late. Now, no reproach, no reward. Remember that. No reproach, no reward. No suffering. If you don't suffer as a Christian with uh, trying to tell someone about Jesus Christ, nobody will take you seriously. No suffering, nobody will take you seriously. No trials, no tribulation means no triumph. 
I hope you see it tonight, Christian. I'm sure you do. You see what the Bible just showed you and me? It just showed me if we want to be a loser, lose our kids, blow up our marriage, blow up our testimony. And now listen, you could follow these things to the nth degree and your family could still blow all over tarnation. Your kids could still blow all over tarnation. But you'll have a whole clear conscience about that thing and you won't be the loser. <laughs> see what I mean? Well, if you want to be a loser, here it is. In a nutshell, fight with the brethren over dumb stuff. Make everything about you. Choose your career over Christ. Allow the world to ambush you. Sacrifice your children to this world. Keep looking back at the world. And finally, wait too long to deliver a soul. I think many times what happens to us as Christians, we get so focused on what we're doing to survive, we start looking at the wrong direction. This world is not our home, amen? We're just passing through. And I, I told this illustration before, but it just came back to the forefront back in the 1929 Rose Bowl. Wrong way, Roy Rigels. And he played uh, ball for the, uh, what was it? He played for the California Golden Bears. <laughs> and what happened is uh, he had the opportunity to take the ball to the end zone. He picked up the ball on a fumble, and he ran the wrong way. That sounds like the Christian life, doesn't it? You're doing, you know, it's 16 tons, and what do you get? Another day older, another payment, I guess, right? And next thing you know, you're running the wrong way just because of routine duty. And if you're not careful, you'll put it in the end zone for the wrong team. Now, I don't want you to be a loser, and I'm not saying you are. I don't want you to go out here, well, preacher thinks we're all a bunch of losers. Well, I guess we all have our moments, amen. <laughs> but I don't think you're a loser. I believe you want to be a winner. And I think this is just some things you and I can take to heart and use the life of Lot to keep us from being a loser and take the, run the risk of losing it all at the judgment seat of Christ. All right, why don't you stand? What's that one gal? She won the, uh, that one race in 2000 Olympics. She's legally blind. And uh, I can't remember her name now. And she said, being legally blind has been one of my greatest assets. He said, she said this, I simply focus on the finish line. Imagine if you and I could just focus on the finish line and be legally blind to this entire world.